Hello and welcome to Raising Learners, a conversation about supporting your child's learning at school and at home. Throughout this series, we'll discuss a range of questions. How to have a great relationship with your child's school and teacher. How to keep your child safe online. And navigating those sometimes challenging final years of high school. My name's Derek McCormick, and I'll be the host for today's episode. To begin with, on behalf of the team here, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land where we meet as we record this conversation today. For me, where I am, this is to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Today, we're talking about supporting mental health and well-being in difficult times. I'm joined by Dr. Meredith Rayner, psychologist with expertise in children and parents' mental health. Hi, Meredith. Hey, Derek. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure. So, Meredith, 2020 has been a big year with lots of the everyday routines and supports that families typically rely on, from schools to parks, families and friends, having been disrupted in some way. What are some ways that parents can support their own and their children's well-being during this time? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Derek. I get asked that quite a lot at the moment. Um, I think parenting and looking after kids and being part of a family and a community is a challenging thing to do anyway, but right at the moment it's particularly difficult. And I think it's partly the change that's happening, but also the uncertainty. You know, we, we really don't know what's going to happen, you know, tomorrow or next week or what's over the hill ahead. So I think one of the you know, really most important things to do is to kind of acknowledge that that's the case and that it, that it is difficult and that things are challenging. And I think particularly for parents, if they're able to do that, it, it's not only great for their mental health, but it's really like reassuring for children as well to, to not be feeling like they're doing it wrong or, you know, there's a better way and a, you know, a way this could all be perfect and joyful. I mean, there's, there's some good things that are happening, but, but it is a bit of a challenge. And that's, I think it's really important just to understand that that's, that that's all right. Having said that, there are some things that families can do to manage this tricky time better. And I think just understanding that you're a human and that life has ups and downs Mm. is a really good way to start. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of, in what you're saying, I'm hearing a lot of talk about being able to accept what we're able to control and, and those things we're not able to control. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that that can be a really good practical exercise that I encourage lots of families to do. And we do it, I do it quite a bit in my clinical work as well is, you know, actually make a list, sit down and say what kind of things are in my control at the moment and what kind of things are not. And, and that can really help you to focus on the stuff you can control. And often, you know, they're simple things like getting outdoors and getting a bit of exercise and, you know, making sure that, that you're eating regularly, you know, all those, all those things that you tend to do when you've got a, like your normal life routine to go to that can, that sometimes fall by the wayside. And then there's stuff that's outside of your control, you know, like whether or not you can go and visit grandparents or whether you can play football or netball or play in your band or any of those things that you'd normally do that's outside of your control and you can let that go a little bit more if you've got a a bit of a list yeah so these are really really good reminders to keep in mind but I wonder in some ways they sound easier perhaps than they are to put into practice in, in your opinion what are some good ways to start you know tuning into this in the everyday actions and and what helps build uh, things like resilience and positivity in children and parents. 
Yeah, I think, I think that's exactly right. Uh, most of us know what we should be doing or, you know, what's kind of the right thing to do, I guess. But it's really hard and it's particularly hard at the moment because the normal things that keep us in routine are not happening. So, you know, the normal getting up and uh, getting ready to head off to work and dropping the kids at school on the way or, you know, however they're catching the bus, however those things work aren't happening at the moment. So I think some practical thing that can help. I think that working out what's in your control is a really great place to start. But once you've done that, you can try hard to focus on the things that you can do and I guess help everybody in your family generate a bit of gratitude or positivity for some of the things that are, that, that you can do or that you can appreciate at the moment. But I think so things, things that we sometimes suggest are things like gratitude journals. So, you know, draw or write something each day that you appreciate or even just, you know, sharing it or saying it to each other and to those around you. I think the really great thing about practicing gratitude at the moment is that it turns your focus from what's not working to to what good things there are. And, you know, there's lots of stuff that hasn't been cancelled that we can be grateful for. And I think if we think about it as well as parents, a really nice thing to do at the moment is to kind of take a minute to step back and think about what do we want to teach our kids at the moment. And gratitude and kindness is a really lovely thing to be teaching our kids at any time. And once you start thinking about it, you can, I'm sure you can come up with ways in your family that you can practice kindness right now. You can do random acts of kindness is a really nice thing to do in a family where you kind of get, draw somebody's name out of a hat and find a way to do something kind for them during the day. And it just builds up not just the skills in kindness, but it's particularly in kids, but also in us, the ability to think about somebody else at the moment and, and think about how you make someone else happy. And that's just a really positive thing for your well-being, but obviously for other people's as well. Hmm. Thank you. That's really good. Uh, the next question uh, touches on something I think most of us are, are hearing about and have heard about for a while. It's this topic of mindfulness. Um, we hear a lot about it and we see books in, in, in bookstores where it, they are supposed to help you with it. But Meredith, what exactly is mindfulness? And what are some ways to get started with that? Yeah, look, it's interesting. I have uh, lots of the young people that I work with who will come to ask me to help them deal with an issue, who will say, oh, I've already tried mindfulness and it doesn't work. And I find inevitably the reason why they say that is because they're expecting it to be something that it's not. So lots of people come across mindfulness and see it as a relaxation technique. So, you know, when I'm feeling anxious or when I'm feeling worried or stressed or something, I'll do a bit of mindfulness and that'll make all these feelings that I'm not, that I don't like go away. In fact, that's not what mindfulness is about. Feeling relaxed is a really lovely byproduct of mindfulness quite often, but sometimes you don't feel more relaxed after you've done mindfulness. Sometimes mindfulness is really tough. Really what mindfulness is about is about building up the the networks in your brain are training your brain to focus on the thing that you want it to focus on. So that can be the breath is a really great place to start, but that's because we've always got breath and we don't have to go and find something which can sometimes get in the way of mindfulness, but you can mindfully focus on anything. You can focus on, you know, a tree outside or you can focus on the chair you're sitting on or the sounds you can hear and the more you practice it, the more you develop that skill to be able to attend. And you can imagine how helpful that is when, you know, when you're feeling overwhelmed 
or, you know, you've got a lot going on in your head or, you know, those times when you're trying to get to sleep and you just keep thinking of things. Or in the case of young people, when you're trying to do your homework or you're sitting in an exam or you're in a class and your mind is going everywhere, if you've developed the skills to be able to focus and let everything else that's going on around you just disappear for the moment, that can be a really helpful skill to learn and quite relaxing. If you can, if you're feeling stressed and worried about something, attending can let a lot of those other things disappear, Mm. but it's hard work. So, so I really encourage people. Mindfulness is a great skill and getting younger people to do it sooner rather than later is better but it takes practice. It's like any other skill. So doing it once or twice and then saying, oh, look, it's too hard. My brain just won't calm down. And then giving up it is not that helpful. In fact, I'd be saying if your brain can't slow down and you're finding mindfulness difficult, that tells me that you need it even more. So I'd persist in getting some mindfulness practice. Hmm. And, and at, with the need for practice and parents listening us, to us today, what are some ways that you've seen it get going with, between parents and children? Are there some tips there? Oh, sure, sure. So I think uh, the, the really important thing with young people is to try and help them understand the conversation we were just having about the purpose so that they don't give up when they find it a bit tricky. And then another really good thing to do is to model it yourself. So I'd be encouraging you, particularly now when we're all at home amongst our family a bit, um, do it with your kids. So kids are more likely to do mindfulness if they know that you're doing it too. And so even, you know, all choosing a time to all kind of sit together or lie down together and put on a recording and and just do it as a bit of a family activity. So grab yourself an app. Smiling Mind is a really good it's a really good one and it's free and it's Australian, but there's lots of other mindfulness apps that you can use and choose one and put it on and listen to it and, and do it together. Hmm. That's really good. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that about using recordings and scripts in that way. It, it sounds like a great way to start. Yeah, it is a great way to start. And, and then once you build up the skill and you get a better understanding of what mindfulness is from doing it, you can do little brief bits of mindfulness over the course of the day. So, you know, lots of the young people that I work with will, for example, when they're moving from activity to activity, they'll do 30 seconds of mindfulness when they've finished, you know, a maths class, for example, and they're moving somewhere else. And all that can be is, you know, stopping, you know, listening to the sounds around you, turning your face to the sun if you're outside. I call those... Uh, commas. So if you think about a sentence, for example, you know, you have lots of commas, which are brief pauses in a sentence, and then a full stop, which is the end of your sentence and a longer pause. So those little brief pauses throughout the day for, you know, 10 or 30 seconds are like commas in a sentence. They, they help you to kind of regroup, settle yourself, focus yourself again and move on to the next thing. Great. Thank you. Our next kind of bit of conversation is around the fact that children are learners for a good chunk of their time they're spending in in the learning environment whether that's school or home and based on what we've been saying so far around the year we're having uh, and how it's a little unusual do you have any tips around encouraging children to you know continue to be able to learn during a time like this but also more generally yeah, look, I think the, the, I find the principles that apply to learning or helping your child be a learner 
are do apply generally and they're just perhaps I'd think about them as being a bit more heightened or a bit more challenging at the moment but uh, some of the keys are you know acknowledging and accepting that everybody finds the experience of learning different so I think knowing how you learn or what your experience of learning was trying to I guess, remember what it was like to be the age of your kids and how you found learning and maybe your siblings or your partner or your friends, like have a bit of a, I call that perspective taking, you know, think, stand in their shoes for a bit and think a little bit about what Mm. their experience is. And I find if you can, if you can get the message across to your kids that you understand if they're finding it a challenge or understand that they're loving it, that's the best place to start. But that's not enough, is it? Like you can't, it's not helpful to your kids just to always understand how they're feeling and never do anything about that. We still need to uh, help them to get the best experience they can out of learning. And so some things that can help with that are, you know, show an interest in learning yourself, find out what they're doing, find out a bit about it, um, have some conversations about it, show a bit of interest in it. The simple practical things like structure and routine are really helpful. So having a space that they can learn, having set times, so get them up and get them moving. A number of parents have spoken to me about motivation and they ask me, you know, what can we do? What can I do? My kid's not motivated. I usually, the conversation we usually have is along the lines of, you know, kids need to learn that you can't wait to feel motivated to do something. You know, if, if you and I and all the parents out there waited until we were motivated before we got up and went to work or started to cook dinner or did a load of washing or took the kids to sport, we'd be waiting a really long wait. So, you know, motivation's great, but there's also a real opportunity here to help kids see that sometimes you've just got to do it. And you don't have to do that in a harsh way. If you do that in a way that's coming from, look, I understand and, you know, I know you really don't feel like doing this at the moment, but the reality is we, we are where we are and um, we need to get on with it a little bit. Hmm. And there's something in there about setting realistic expectations, not just for your kids, but for you and your kids together. Yeah, 100%, Derek. I think, you know, this this is not... You're, you're not a teacher. So be a bit realistic about what you can influence and you can influence your child's attitude and you maybe an appreciation of education and the importance of education. And you can show them that you care about what they're learning and you know, want to help them to learn. And mm. you, can, you can help them focus on the, like the effort can be a really helpful thing too, particularly when times are tough and times are tough at the moment. So it's a good time to be talking about that. You know, giving, giving things a good crack is a really good skill to learn as well. Having said that, we're all missing out on a lot of things. So I think that being a bit kind to yourself and kind to people around you is a key thing to focus on. Mm, yeah, great. That, that's really, really useful. Thank you. Um, I think a lot of parents... Uh, we'll welcome that message around kindness to ourselves and to others. Yeah, I think and we're, it's one of the things we really struggle at as humans, isn't it? And is to be kind to ourselves. And lots of work that I do with parents and with uh, adults generally, they're really good at acknowledging that, you know, they're, that they need to be kind to other people. And they're quite good at doing that. But when it comes to themselves, it's not so easy. And one of the things I often do with parents that helps with this is 
treat yourself like your own best friend. So I'll sometimes have, you know, ask the question. So, you know, think about a time when you were really struggling or something that you find quite hard and then think about what one of your really good friends or, you know, your sibling or your partner or somebody who is actually really helpful and caring towards you, what kind of things would they say? And then think about what you say to yourself and, and see the contrast between the way that you, you know, you someone who cares about you will say things like, gee, you know, that does sound really difficult and, you know, make sure you're looking after yourself and, you know, I can understand how you'd feel like that or, yeah, these things, that's real a real challenge. Can I do anything to help? We tend to say to ourselves things like, what's the matter with you? How come you're complaining about this? Other people can do this really well. And particularly with parenting, we're really harsh on ourselves about parenting. You know, every other family has got their act together and, you know, you're just not doing a good enough job. If you can see the contrast between the way that you speak to yourself and the way your friends speak to you, hmm. um, you can pull yourself up a little bit maybe and, and try and treat yourself like your own best friend. And just as a, as a sort of a side topic there, the, all, the whole message around help seeking, that's another area where we can model for our children that it's okay to, to ask for help when you need it. I think that's, that's a really good point. And I think what we often do as parents is we try and show our kids that everything's fine. We often don't let them know that we're finding something difficult. And the problem with that can be that kids can learn an incorrect assumption that, you know, the adults have got their act together all the time and nothing ever goes wrong for them. If you step back, like I said earlier, and think about, you know, what do I want my kids to learn out of this? The fact that all humans struggle at times and that life is a, a journey of ups and downs and emotions are the same. And when you're finding it really tough, if you can let your kids know that you're help seeking and that can be simple as talking to a friend or you know even simple things like saying you know I actually just need a little bit of space right now I'm feeling worried and I'm a little bit cranky or a little bit annoyed or you know express what your emotion is briefly and then say so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to my room and I'm just going to read a book for a while or I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to talk to a friend or I'm going to, you know, make an appointment to a GP if you really feel like you're struggling and, you know, go and have it and talk to somebody who's, who's an expert. They're all great things for kids to learn, aren't they? That, that if you can be accepting of your struggles and knowing that you're a human and it's okay to struggle at times and then do something about that to get some support when you need it, I think that would be a great a great thing for us to pass on to our kids and wouldn't that make their adulting um, easier? That's good. I think we, we, we might retitle our episode here, helping your child do some adulting. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. So Meredith, one of the challenges uh, in these unusual times at the moment is maintaining routines. Have you any thoughts for parents on, on practical uh, or practical tips when it comes to maintaining routines during um, unusual times? Yeah, sure. I totally agree. I think it, there's a lot of things that normally happen in our family life that, that become routines really quickly. And a lot of them aren't happening now, like, you know, getting up in the morning and, you know, getting ready for work or getting ready for school or, you know, what activities you have on after school and, you know, homework routines and bedtime and those kind of things. And I think that, so what happens at the moment often is that our day sort of morphs into this 
blend, you know, where you're not quite sure. There's no markers from one thing to another. And of course, routines are really important for all of us, but particularly for our kids, because the, the kind of predictability and the familiarity that we have with a routine is very calming and reassuring and it helps kids to feel like things are a bit more predictable. So I think um, a really great way to start is to get the kids involved in working out a routine. So sit down and uh, have a chat. And particularly if you're finding at the moment that it is all over the shop, I'd be, you know, really open to talking to the kids about that and saying, look, I'm noticing that we're, you know, we're all doing things at different times and we're not quite sure that the days are becoming a bit of a blur how about we work out a bit of a, a routine that works for us at the moment and get them involved. They're much more likely to buy into it and, and help you with it if they know um, what the routine, if they, if they have a say in helping set a routine up and um, help each other to, to stick to it. And with children learning um, in any environment, there's, there's this advice around focusing on strengths. Uh, talk about that. Yeah, I think that it can be, it's really easy to get caught up at the moment with what's not working and our kids pick up on that really quickly. And so if we're, you know, constantly pointing out to them, you know, when they haven't done something or when they're, they're not doing something that we want them to do or when their teacher's complaining about something that they haven't done, um, it can become quite a negative experience really quickly. So the idea of focusing on their strengths is it's not letting them imagine that they're great at everything. It's letting them know that everybody's got some strengths in some areas. And, and you know, that may be a subject or it may be an approach or an attitude or it may be a part of their personality. You know, if they may be very kind or they may be very compassionate towards other people or they may be really good at a sport. Um, I think that reminding them that they're good at things is really can be really helpful but remember it's not about letting them think that they're perfect at everything and that you know you're the best drawer that I've ever seen and that's the most fantastic construction I've ever because that's giving them a false sense of their place in the world and it help doesn't help them down the track they they need to know that they're that there's some things they're good at and probably some things that they're not quite so good at and understand the same for the other individuals around them and that that can help with um developing their compassion and their relationships with other people if they're able to say well you know i'm not really good at maths but you know my friend is and that's great that she's good at maths and you know she can kind of help me and I'm proud of the fact that she, she's my friend and she's really good at maths is a really nice characteristic for young people to, to nurture in your kids is that that appreciation of other people's strengths as well. And Meredith you work uh, and see a lot of uh, parents and children uh, through your day-to-day profession are there some stories that you can share with us about families uh, finding ways to stay positive and adapt uh, during these times yeah sure I, I think uh, one of the things I've really noticed is that if you give them the opportunity to be involved in a bit of a challenge uh, kids kids can be a real driver in this so I think I noticed at the start a lot of parents were talking to me about feeling the pressure to kind of you know, come up with the ideas to keep everybody connected. And, and that's great. But once I've, I've found in a lot of families, if you throw the challenge at the young people, they come up with stuff themselves too. And, and that's an opportunity for them to, 
not, not just to express a bit of creativity, but to do a bit of, you know, perspective taking and thinking about, you know, how can I make this better by giving something to other people? So some examples are, you know, young people have come up with amongst their friends or um, actually one family did it amongst their aunties and uncles and kind of cousins, you know, choose a challenge and get them to do it together and, and share it at the end of the week, either on, on Zoom or on you know, sending photos around in group chats. So things like, you know, try and, you know, everybody in the family tries to learn how to juggle or one of the children in each family cooks an, a meal like they'll, they'll choose a meal and cook it and take photos of it and share, you know, who made the best chocolate cake or, you know, who made the best homemade pizzas or, you know, who made the best spaghetti bolognese or something like that. A lot of kids love these kind of things and will take a challenge on board and kind of fly with it if you give them the opportunity. So I'd, I'd be really encouraging the kids in the family to help you come up with some suggestions. We're going to move on to our last topic here. It's another word that parents hear often and sometimes in connection with school supports, and it's the word resilience. Talk to me for a couple of minutes around resilience and how it can be promoted in children and, and in parents themselves. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I get asked this question quite a lot and I'd love to be able to say, you know, you take six steps in this direction and you add, you know, 250 grams of this thing and then you'll have resilience but it's it's actually a little bit more complicated than that having said that all the things that we've talked about in this podcast over the time that we've been talking are all things that that we know lead to resilience so things like being aware of you know, our own emotions and being accepting of them, which is not to say you like them. You know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that we walk around saying, well, I'm angry now and I love that. You can know that feeling miserable or grieving sucks and you don't like it and you wish it wasn't like that, but you can still know that, you know, that's, that it's normal for you to feel like that at times. And a bit like being out in the ocean, Derek, if you, if you're going to kick and fight and, battle every wave that comes it doesn't stop the wave coming it just makes the experience of the wave more unpleasant and and emotions are a bit like that so um, a key part of resilience is just understanding that you know riding the wave I guess of emotions and if kids can learn to do that early that's really helpful Mm. it's Mm. also about that we talked a bit before about gratitude and kindness and that resilience is about finding a place in the world where you are okay with what you've got and sharing and contributing to community. And as parents, we, we have um, the opportunity to remind children all the time about, about particular things like the stability of home and the fact that we're here and we, we're here looking out for them. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think there's a lot to be said for the way you deliver that message. And hopefully, I know it's, come clear over the course of this podcast that we're doing that there's a difference in saying when when some when a a young person says to you like this this is terrible and you know I hate this school online or you know I hate not being able to play my sport or whatever it is that's going on at the moment if you just come in with well you know work out what you're grateful for and you know stop complaining that's not going to be helpful because all they're going to feel is that you either that you don't understand them or that that there's something wrong with them for feeling disappointed. My advice would be to acknowledge that 
that they're upset about something or they're finding something difficult or whatever the emotion is that they're feeling, acknowledge that and then say, you know, something that can be helpful is to pick out something that you're grateful for and, or, you know, yeah, I know that you can't um, go around and visit your grandparents at the moment and that's really sad, but you can, you know, contact them on social media or, you know, how about we call them? It's, it's much more effective with, particularly with young people, but also with ourselves, if we're able to first acknowledge the struggle and then move on to a solution rather than jumping straight into solution mode. I think that's a, a fantastic place to finish because it it echoes what we've touched on a few times, acknowledgement of, of what's really uh, the experience at any time with your child and then moving from there into communicating together about some ways to, to move through and, and problem solve. So that's been fantastic. Thank you so much, Meredith. I really learned a lot about some of the key things that we can do to help us and our children with mental health. Things like accepting when things are tough, being able to talk about it and finding ways to do things we enjoy. Those resilience building things like learning a new skill or doing something nice for someone else. Also the mindfulness piece and how it's not that complicated to get started and keep it up. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, why not subscribe? Tell your friends. For more tips and information about the topics we've covered, visit raisingchildren.net.au and education.vic.gov.au. I also want to acknowledge the Department of Education and Training Victoria for their support in this series. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, take care.